fighting a little bit of a cold today. Someone left a lifesaver up here for me. That might actually turn into a lifesaver. <laughs> if I do sit down after 10 minutes, Matt, I trust you to just finish the sermon for me. It'll be fine. Um, we're continuing our, survey, our, our sermon series on the fruits of the Spirit. Today talking about a fruit called peace. I want to begin by, by praying, Father God, I ask you to send your Spirit into our lives, into our homes, and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. Let us all read together from Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. We're going to get out of order next week. Uh, otherwise, we're just going to keep moving through it. The reason we're going to get, get out of order next week is I want to save patience for November 3rd. And the reason is uh, that on November 3rd, we're having our, our marriage seminar that evening. And it just seems like a great opportunity to talk about forbearance. Um, you know, patience seems to have the idea of just wait a while. Forbearance has the idea of, oh man, of, you know, marriage. Um, forbearing with one another. Uh, so we're going to move that to the next week. Next week we'll do kindness, so we'll just flip those two, but otherwise we'll be staying in order. Uh, we've been doing this for several weeks, moving through this list, talking about how the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And when God's Holy Spirit dwells within us, we cannot help but be contagiously transformed to begin taking on ourselves the very character and virtue of God. And so these traits that are part of God's character and God's virtue start to take root and take place and be produced in our lives. And so each week we focus on a different one of the fruit. Today we're looking at the fruit of peace. Uh, if you haven't picked up your study packet to be doing stuff at home with your family, be sure and pick that up on your way out. Uh, if it's still sitting on your kitchen counter, uh, go ahead and open it this week and start putting some of those things into practice. Uh, you'll also notice that in, in some of the chairs, and we'll get some more out this week, I know we're getting low, uh, are cards where you can take someone and say, I have seen God's Spirit producing this fruit in you in your life. Uh, if your row is out, you can get some at the, the Welcome Center. We've got those there so that we can be celebrating the fruit of the Spirit in our church family throughout this series. You know, it's been fun getting pictures and input from people about this series. Uh, this week, I didn't get as many to remind us about the, the Spirit's fruit of peace. I have a theory about that. My theory is that most of us, uh, we've got a lot of young families here at Northwest, uh, and this week for many of our families was fall break, which means your kids were at home, which meant that you didn't have any peace at all. And you couldn't celebrate peace, you couldn't think about peace, you couldn't do anything with peace because you had kids at home and extra fun, extra fun, but little peace. Uh, we did get a couple. Uh, I want to share one with you that I'm really proud of, uh, one that made me proud. I want to share with you this picture reminds us of the peace that comes from confidence in the gifts that God has given to each one of us and the affirmation that comes from the rewards of hard work. And you can't see this. Go back to the, the last one. But the papers that, that, that she's holding there uh, are 
good grades. She's worked hard. God's gifted her. And she has the confidence and the peace that comes from the affirmation of the world recognizing God's gifts. You know, I think the other reason that, that I may not have got a lot of pictures about peace is that when we think about peace, a lot of times we think about peace and define it based on the absence of other things in the world and in our lives. We think about it as being the lack of something. It, peace is the absence of chaos. Peace is the absence of violence. Peace is when we remove noise and disruption from our life. Peace is when we end conflict. Peace is when there is no war. And so we think about it in the negative. We think about what it isn't. And we just think of it as the void that is created when these things don't exist. Uh, but in these ways, the character or virtue of peace that comes from the Spirit is easy to see as a very passive trait. It's just when we, when we remove ourselves from that which is chaotic, that which is bad, that which is violent. It's passive. It's experienced as personal peace of mind, and it's experienced as comfort from being in Christ. And there's certainly biblical precedent for that kind of passive, intentional disengagement that brings us peace. In fact, Jesus seems to offer this kind of calm and peace in a world of threats and conflict and fear to his apostles. When things get difficult or scary or frightening for the apostles, Jesus often gives them his peace. I want to share with you the scene from the upper room where Jesus is speaking to the apostles as he's arrived just after his resurrection. <coughs> and he appears to the disciples. This is in John chapter 20. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen our Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Three times in this passage when Jesus is appearing to the apostles, they're, they're behind a locked door afraid of the Jewish leaders. They're terrified when Jesus shows up. Is this a ghost? What is this? What's going on? They're so excited and overwhelmed with joy that they can't even get their heads around it. And three times he says to them, twice to the group and once to Thomas, peace be with you. And he gives them this gift of peace and of calm 
and of confidence. He's telling them, let your inner mind, let your inner self be stilled. Be confident and calm because I am here. And he offers that to them as a gift. But it's not the first time that Jesus has offered the apostles the gift of his peace in John's gospel. John chapter 14 and verse 27, Jesus says to them, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He says the world gives you all kinds of griefs and sorrows and worries. The, grief is filled with, the world is filled with conflict. The world is filled with reasons for our hearts to be troubled and for us to be afraid. But Jesus says, listen, if you're my people, if you're my apostles, don't take on the troubles of the world and the fear of the world. Instead, you take on my peace. My peace I give you, Jesus says. John 16, 33, he says to them, he says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus says, I want you in this chaotic world that's filled with troubles to find peace in me. Peace in Jesus. And these passages remind us of several important things. The first thing they remind us is that as Jesus often withdrew in his ministry, as he withdrew to spend time in the peace and presence of God, we too should find opportunities to withdraw into the peace and presence of God. That we need to find times of disengagement, of getting away from the chaos, away from the noise, away from all of the media and the phones and the TVs to get away and to be in God's presence and to know the peace of God. If Jesus needed it, then we certainly do too. We also need to know that the mind of the Spirit-filled person should be more characterized by peace, confidence, and calm than by anxiety, fear, and worry. Because anxiety, fear, and worry are the enemies of peace, and they resist the work of the Spirit in our lives. We need to push those things down so that we can turn up the peace and confidence that comes from being in Jesus. And finally, we need to remember that peace is a gift given by Jesus to the apostles when things, things seem like they're going very wrong. When the world is chaotic all around you and all you can think about is that which is against you, these are the times that Jesus gave the apostles peace. And it's the times in our lives that we need to remember that the life, through the life of Christ and the gift of the God of peace, that the spirit that lives within us is contagiously transforming us to become more like the peace of Jesus. But that that's not something that can be gained just by doing certain things. There's a lot of practices today that are becoming very popular. Practices of mindfulness, meditation, yoga, focus, all kinds of other things you can do. In fact, there's several places even here in Oklahoma City now that you can go uh, to a, a pod. It's like a, a human-sized, uh, it looks like a human-sized egg. They open the egg, and it's full of salt water, and you can just climb in there, and you can pay them by the hour to lay in this salt water puddle inside of an egg. Okay, and this is real, guys. You can get it on Groupon, not now, maybe later. Uh, and they call this a sensory deprivation pod. 
It numbs all of your senses so that you can just totally space out and withdraw from everything. The promise is for perfect peace, quiet, stillness. But Christian peace does not come from pod floating. Christian peace is different, and it comes from the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Christian peace is meant to transform our internal stuff, to give us this personal sense of peace and calm, but, but it's also something else. If all the Christian spirit-produced peace was, was sensory deprivation through passive peace, then we could uh, become super spiritual ostriches. Right? You could just, pl- just put your head in the ground and just tune everything else out. That'd be peaceful, right? All the problems in the world, no, I've got peace. I'm just... But things are going wrong. That's okay, I've got peace. The problem is that while there are these Scriptures that call us into this kind of inner personal peace in, in the presence of God, from the Prince of Peace, Jesus Himself, through the dwelling of the Holy Spirit within us, that there is also an active peace that we are called to. We're not called to be like ostriches or, or this guy. We're not, that's not a Christian peace. This is not who we are called to be or to live out that we just get so into our own personal lives of personal peace that we're of no worldly good. The Bible calls us to actively pursue peace. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus pronounces a number of blessings, and one of them is for the peacemakers, those who are in the business of making peace. The very word itself, peacemakers, tells us that sometimes peace has to be actively made in the world. It tells us that it has to be worked for. It has to be intentionally brought into existence where it does not currently exist. And I love this vision of peace. I love this version of peace that is is about people doing the work of bringing peace where previously only conflict and chaos and violence existed moments ago. And part of the reason that I love it, I'm by nature a peacemaker. Uh, It's kind of in the makeup of how God has created me to desire peace and to be one who is willing to try and pursue peace. Uh, And I'm also an optimist when it comes to resolving conflict. When it comes to two people who have a problem, I am a firm believer that if they will make a good faith effort to understand one another's point of view, to listen empathetically to one another, to, to really get in and understand one another's differences, and then work together collaboratively to try and brainstorm solutions. I, like, can you tell I like talking about this process? I believe in the process of resolving conflict. But it is a process, and it is work, and it involves people that believe that their relationship matters more than the fight that they're having. And that relationship that matters more than the fight that people are having is the kind of work that peacemakers are called to do over and over again in Scripture. It calls us to actively engage with both personal, which is arguments between me and you, or you and each other, or someone in your family, or someone at work, personal conflict, but it also involves us working to resolve societal conflicts. 
Christians should be involved in our neighborhoods and in our workplaces and in our communities, in our nation and in the world to bring peace where conflict currently exists and where violence currently reigns. We're trying to bring the world into alignment with the God of peace, with the Prince of Peace, and with the Holy Spirit that produces within us the fruit of peace. God is passionate about having His people function as active peacemakers in the world. In 1 Peter 3, it says this, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. This isn't talking about a passive, disengaged, ostrich-in-the-head kind of peace. This is a kind of peace where you have to change the way you talk. You have to change the way you act. You have to intentionally do good. You have to resist evil. You have to be the kind of person who is trying to produce peace in the world by pursuing it intentionally, passionately. Chasing it wherever it feels like you can't find it. You go find peace and you take it with you. Because as the Spirit produces the fruit of peace in you, you take it to places that need it. So when your relationships seek to bring peace where there was previously conflict. In our world, we seek to take peace where there is currently violence, animosity, resentment. We bring peace because we are the peacemakers. Paul writes about it in Colossians. Paul famously writes here in in this early group of Jesus followers that were coming together. He says, here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through songs, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul writes and he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as one body, since as one body, you are called to peace. And this isn't the guy burying his head in the sand going, man, it sure is quiet in here. Finally, there's peace. Finally, there's peace. This is a group of people that have all kinds of problems, all kinds of diversity, all kinds of reasons that the world says they should be held apart. And they come together as one body 
And because they're called to that, they're going to need to figure out how to have peace among them. How to have peace in their relationship, peace in their community, to be ambassadors of peace into the world that needs it. And we've got a problem today because in the church today, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of little bodies scattered all over the world. And they all think that they're the one body and that no one else is. But the reality is, if you're in Christ and I'm in Christ, then we are part of one body. And we need to get called back into this community of believers that believe that the peace of Christ ruling in our hearts is enough to work through the stuff that divides us. That is members of one body, and it is the body of Jesus. If we are members of the one body, then we have to let this peace rule in us. It's not going to be easy, but it wasn't easy for Paul either. Paul had Jews and Gentiles, and he says, listen, you guys should get together. And they would say, really? Because like 400 years of fighting has really proven that we're not good at that. No, you, I don't care if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, which is another way of saying Jew or Gentile. You've got to get along. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as one body you're called to come together. Paul says it's for this message that he was beaten and thrown in jail and stoned that he believed that people who the world said belonged apart, that he believed they should come together. For this, he was persecuted. It's not going to be easy. In fact, radical peace might require us to overcome conflict and violence. The world doesn't like unifying peace. The world that we live in today prefers that we divide and that it splits us up and that it turns us against one another. The church should stand against that. Not passively. Not in little ways, but in personal ways and in big ways in our community and in the world, we should be called back to the message of peace. Makers of peace in a divided world. We're going to need, if we're going to do this, to clothe ourselves in the clothes that, that Paul talks about in Colossians 3. We're going to need to put on the clothes of compassion, the clothing of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience. Patience doesn't just mean time, it means forbearance. It means I've got to put up with your stuff while you put up with mine. And then we've got to go find some people that aren't just us and our church family that already love each other, and we've got to put up with them too. We've got to love them too as we make peace in the world. Through all of this, we desperately need the message of Christ to dwell richly among us as we sing and praise and give glory to God as the peace of Christ rules richly in our hearts. Hebrews, <clears throat> Hebrews 13, and I don't have time to read all of it, but in Hebrews 13, there's a number of topics that come up that are very important for the church then and now. Hebrews 13 talks about how important it is for brothers and sisters in Christ to love one another. It talks about that we are to show hospitality to strangers whether they are like us or not. We tend to be really good at showing hospitality to strangers who are like us. This is showing hospitality to people that are strange to us and showing them kindness and welcome. 
Hebrews 13 talks about how we need to remember those who are in prison and those who are suffering all kinds of trials. We're called to respect leaders and maintain unity in the community. We're called to do good. Not just be good, but do good. Actively being good to all of those who are around us. Sharing with others. Viewing what I have not as mine, but as God's. And if it's God's, then I should receive some of it as a gift from Him as He intended, but I should share the rest with others who are in need as God has blessed me so that I might bless them. And then in verse 20, after these concrete tips, after these ways of not just achieving peace through personal internal reflection and disengagement from all the noise and chaos of the world, which is good, but it's not all that peace is. Hebrews 13.20 says, Now may the God of peace... Who's that? The God of peace. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will, and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What's the name of the God we worship in this verse? The God of peace. What's the name of the God we worship? The God of peace. The writer of Hebrews writes, May this God of peace give us everything we need, equipped fully for His purposes in the world. The God of peace is going to give us everything we need to do what the world needs us to do. Because the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, the God of peace, now sends His Holy Spirit to dwell within us, contagiously transforming us into their image, creating fruit of peace. That's the fruit of peace in our lives. It does call us to have a personal, internal peace, to be still and know that God is God. Because it's in those moments that He'll be exalted among the nations and exalted in all the earth. We are called as Jesus modeled to withdraw and disengage at times to simply be in the presence of God and to experience His peace. Because it's when we experience it personally and internally that we're then ready to bring it into our broken, conflict-riddled relationships. Making peace where only conflict exists. And the call to be peacemakers doesn't stop in our relationships. I truly believe that Jesus believes that if His Holy Spirit can take root in the church, that it will bring a peace that changes neighborhoods, communities, nations, and the world. World peace isn't just for beauty pageants anymore. That's our calling to be makers of peace in a world that is filled with anger and hatred and violence. To bring peace and unity where there is only division. Church, let me tell you, if you're here today and you need to respond to the Gospel, the Gospel is this, that Jesus Christ died to save you from your sins so that you could become part of the community of believers. But part of that is that you receive internal, personal peace, but the other part is that you become a peacemaker. 
that you become a peacemaker. And in a minute, we're going to sing the invitation song. And when we do, if you need to respond to it, I want to encourage you to respond so that the God of peace may become your Father. And that the Prince of Peace may become your brother. And that the Holy Spirit may begin to dwell in you, producing His peace in you internally as you live it out externally. Actively making peace in the world. But first I want to pray the blessing over this church family that was written in Hebrews 13. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will. May He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.